This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. What's behind a rise in childhood allergies and what can be done to prevent it? There have been many theories, and our guest brings another view to the subject today. He is the Sydney-based gastroenterologist, Dr Vincent Ho, whose new book is called The Healthy Baby Gut Guide. It looks at what parents can do to help babies develop strong immune responses in their first thousand days. And Dr Ho is with us from Sydney. Welcome. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for having me on the show. You're most welcome. Uh, As well as being a gastroenterologist, you had a quite personal reason for writing this book and delving deeply into the subject. You had a scare with one of your own daughters, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So my um, eldest child, Olivia, um, she really gave us all a a scare at the age of around six months. So we're out with family. Um, We were giving her a bit of egg for the very first time. Um, and it was, at, it was at a restaurant, and I saw that she had a, uh, quite a notable reaction to the egg. Uh, she got a rash around her lips, which spread to her face. She got a bit wheezy. Um, and at the time, um, as a, I'm, I'm, I'm a very qualified medical specialist, and I've been involved with, with emergency cases um, during my career, but in that particular situation, not having anything there, you feel completely helpless. Um, and... You know, I didn't know what would happen uh, to my daughter. Fortunately, we got her to hospital and the reaction settled down, but it really inspired me to look in, into allergies. And the more I learned about allergies, Catherine, the more I realized how important the infant gut was to the development of allergies um, and what we can do about it. Is it too often the case that parents tend to find out the hard way, like, like you did, that, that, a, that their kid has an allergy or a serious allergy? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. And so, you know, for me, it's been a personal journey, certainly um, starting with my, with my daughter's reaction. Um, but it, it's, it's, been, it's been a really enlightening one because uh, in realising um, the importance of the infant gut um, in that first 1,000 days of life, we realise that it has a tremendous impact on the development of the immune system uh, of young children. And importantly, what we as parents can do in that first 1,000 days of a child's life through influencing our child's gut health can actually set the foundations for quite a strong and healthy immune system and hopefully um, help to minimise and prevent allergies. Mm. Can we go back to, to the start and talk about some of the allergies that have been on the rise in recent years and then we might talk about some of the um, theories already as to why that is. We all know we, we're too clean these days, we don't get get dirty enough <laughs> these days, all that kind of thing, too many appliances in the house. But what are the most common allergies? Yeah, so the, the, the big four allergies are um, uh, eczema, food allergies, asthma, and allergic rhinoconjunctivitis, also used to be known as hay fever. Um, so these are the, are the big four uh, allergies of, of importance. So we know that all of these allergies are actually on the rise. And in fact, for both Australia and New Zealand, we know that the prevalence, uh, for example, of asthma is extremely high uh, in children. And we know that New Zealand, like Australia, uh, is very high in, uh, among countries in the world in terms of, of, in terms of prevalence. But we also know when it comes to food allergies, they also seem to be on the rise. And in particular, 
um, very severe reactions to food allergies, anaphylaxis, also seems to be on the rise. We know from some good data uh, in New Zealand, in fact, um, and this was data collected by the Ministry of Health from about 2002 to 2011, that the incidence of food allergy anaphylaxis in particular was on the rise. Um, that data found that seafood was the most common cause of, of anaphylaxis and followed by um, nuts. Um, but the, 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 certainly the incidence of allergies seems to be on the rise, particularly in Western countries like Australia and New Zealand. With anaphylaxis, just to explain, this is because it can be life-threatening. Um, what, what happens here and how is it treated? Yeah, so we know that with uh, an immune reaction, um, with, with allergy, what happens is that when, the, when a particular substance, what, what is deemed to be a foreign substance, is viewed as a threat by the body, the body sets up um, a number of processes, including the production of antibodies to, to target that particular substance. And what that can lead to um, in some individuals is a very profound reaction. So certainly a lot of people might get, as part of an allergy, itchy skin and swelling. But what can also occur is, in some cases, um, a more profound reaction, like a sudden drop in blood pressure due to the swelling of blood vessels. There can be respiratory uh, issues, like difficulty in breathing. Um, there can be a collapse. And all of those um, concerning um, symptoms uh, are really life-threatening. And so when that occurs, when anaphylaxis occurs as a profound reaction to a foreign substance, that is when it must be treated immediately. Um, and one of the treatments that's, that's commonly given is adrenaline, which is, which is really important um, in terms of um, trying to rectify that yeah. um, profound reaction. So people will need an EpiPen, in fact, in, in order to be able to respond uh, if they have a particular problem, in order to be able to respond quickly. Could we talk about some of the food allergies? Do some, are some common and fade beyond childhood? And does some tend to continue? Yes, well, the, the, yes, I mean, you've, you've hit upon a really good point, and that is that not all food allergies are the same. We know that nine food allergies cause about 90% of all food allergy reactions, and these nine are, we can divide them into ones that <clears throat> children can outgrow, so like egg, wheat, soy, and dairy. We know that most children will outgrow those allergies. However, for some other allergies like peanuts, tree nuts, sesame, shellfish and the fish, only a minority of children will outgrow these allergies. And for most children, they're going to persist into adulthood and, in fact, for the remainder of life. Let's look at what is causing the rise in allergies before getting specifically into the gut advice. Uh, I alluded mm. to some of it already. There's the fact that do we just li li live in too clean a world that we need to be exposed to bacteria and bugs and all sorts of things to build an, an immune system when we are young? Yes, I think you're referring to the hygiene hypothesis, which um, is the idea that the rise in the prevalence of childhood allergies is due to uh, the fact that we're not getting exposure to particular microbes uh, in early childhood. In other words, if we're exposed to those particular microbes, it can be protective against development of allergic diseases. Now, it's, the name itself is, um, has been really talked about a lot in the media but I think it can be a bit misleading because it's not about becoming unhygienic. Um, you know, I do, of, of course, think that you should continue to wash your hands and practice sanitation measures, particularly in the, in the era of COVID-19. Um, 
But what what the hygiene hypothesis should would be more correctly restated is to say that exposure to what we call good microbes or what we call old friend microbes that have been around in the natural environment is what we're actually um, missing. So the, it, this old friends um, hypothesis is now the idea that there are these old friend microbes in the natural environment that we've been exposed to in the past, but our kids got, aren't getting exposed to anymore because of environmental changes or because, as you point out, we're raising our children in very sterile urban environments. The other theory, again, uh, I think is related to this, but of course we tend to have a lot more cesarean sections these days, um, and uh, just help me with this, I think, with a, with a vaginal birth, the, 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 there's an exposure to what? A lot of mum's bacteria, um, and is that another yeah. factor that has been um, perhaps contributing to some of the rise? Absolutely. So with cesarean sections, what we know is that uh, they are linked to an increase in the development of, of allergies and, and asthma and also obesity. What, what is common with cesarean sections is for administration of an, an intrapartum antibiotic. And that's important, obviously, to reduce the risk of cesarean-related um, infections, for example, surgical site infections or endometritis. So it's, it's part of it is also the, the antibiotic exposure, which is happening very early in life. And what we find with that is it actually decreases the diversity of microbes in the baby's gut. So that's one of the changes that can happen mm. with introduction of antibiotics earlier on. The other important um, aspect of a, a cesarean section delivery is that we know that with these babies, um, their gut microbes tend to be um, microbes that are coming from the mother's skin as opposed to babies that are born, born by by vaginal delivery, where the gut microbes um, appear to be from the mother's vagina. So there are def definite differences in terms of gut microbes. And we believe those differences in gut, gut microbes in the baby's gut can help shape their immune responses and therefore their predisposition to certain diseases like allergies later in life. There's also a genetic link. If an older sibling has an allergy, a greater chance a younger sibling will? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, um, the... The genetics is the most important aspect of allergies because we know that's the greatest risk factor. If you've got two parents who both have an allergy, then the child has about an 80% chance of developing an allergy. So, so you know, certainly with genetics, it's really very important. But having said that, you know, I don't believe that DNA necessarily is destiny. I do think that there are things that can be done to modify that risk. And there are things that can be done environmentally um, and as far as making changes to the baby's nutrition early in life that can actually help yeah. to modify that risk. And it may make the, the difference between having a very severe response like anaphylaxis and a more milder allergic reaction. Well, you mentioned the environment and let's talk about certain chemicals and our exposure to so many chemicals these days might also um, might also be a factor. But let's get to, uh, to your specialty, which is the baby's gut and its role. What happens in a baby's gut, actually, um, even before birth, what, what's happening in the womb? We've got an, I've got some questions coming in, and one is asking right right now. You know, what is happening in the womb with respect to the baby's own gut and development? Yeah, so this, during during development, there are there are a lot of important factors that that, that are occurring, and this is why um, mothers can do a lot as far as um, nutritional measures during during pregnancy. And obviously, there's there's, there's different advice which is being bandied around. 
But what, what I will say is that for a long time, it used to be thought that the um, that essentially the baby's gut. Uh, was was sterile uh, in the womb. And then in around 2014, there was some evidence to suggest that perhaps there were some microbes, um, benign microbes that were growing in the baby's gut as part of their development that in the womb. In other words, that the womb itself was not sterile. But more recently, we've actually come to realize from our tests that indeed um, the, ba- the baby's gut actually is sterile. So, th- so the consensus now is that the baby's gut is actually is, is sterile and that when the baby is born, that is when there is a tremendous um, amount of exposure to environmental microbes, whether through from a cesarean section, as mentioned before, or of, or of a channel delivery. And then, of course, with the introduction of breast milk, again, there is um, a lot more changes to the gut the baby's um, gut microbes um, that is happening. During development, we know that um, even though we even though we know that um, now that there is that the baby's gut is sterile, what is interesting is that it appears that babies can still be sensitized to the presence of allergens. So what I mean by that is that um, babies, for example, can be born um, with a sensitivity to a particular food allergen. And that's because some of these allergens can actually cross from the mother to the baby. Now, having said all that, um, you're probably wondering at this point, you know, is there something that can be done to, if babies are born, for example, with this predisposition or this sensitivity to a particular food allergen, is there something that can be done to modify against that? And the answer that I will say to that is that the research which is coming out now is suggesting that exposure to um, a particular food allergen, for example, like peanuts, and it used to be thought that, you know, you should avoid peanuts during pregnancy completely, but now we know that is not the case, that, you know, during pregnancy, that, you know, exposure to all these food allergens is a good thing, but that, that exposure early during pregnancy, particularly during the first trimester, seems to be uh, important in promoting tolerance of that Okay, so to the mother's diet um, and in the first trimester, does this mean, we've mentioned the foods that are most commonly um, the sources of allergies, does that mean Mm. that exposure to those foods in the mum's diet in the first trimester might be helpful? Yes, I mean, yes, some of that data is is really coming out to suggest that that can actually build up immune tolerance um, earlier on, so that certainly there is is good data. there is no data to, to suggest that excluding food allergens from a mother's diet uh, is helpful. So okay. during pregnancy, exposure to food to allergens uh, is, is fine. Let's talk then. We know that 1,000 days, the first 1,000 days are so important for so many things. Let's talk about specifically the microbiome and microbiota. What happens? Mm. It's actually the first two years that's particularly important. What's, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, as mentioned before, that what is, what is really important in terms of shaping very early on the baby's gut microbes is actually the mode of delivery. So that's really very important, whether it's cesarean section or via vaginal delivery. Obviously, antibiotics can reduce diversity. We know that um, breastfeeding is extremely important um, earlier on because what it does is it actually leads to the the, the development of um, and, the, and the promotion of certain types of bacterial species, particularly bifidobacterium. So that's a very particular type of bacteria, which is really important in terms of breaking down some of the substances in breast milk and giving um, 
energy in the form of short-chain fatty acids to the baby. So, you know, it's a particular, it's a particularly, particularly important type of bacteria, um, and that is uh, really driven up by uh, breastfeeding. We know that, for example, with infant formula, um, there's less um, bifidobacterium in those babies compared to breastfeeding. So certainly breastfeeding itself is quite important. We know that what is also occurring earlier on is an, a massive increase in the diversity of species. So we know that there's a lot of diversity that, 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 that's occurring um, within the first 1,000 days of life, but certainly very on in the first um, six months. We know, importantly, that one of the biggest changes to the baby's gut microbes is when they come off milk. So when they're weaning off um, milk and introducing solid foods, that's where, when we're seeing some changes to the baby's microbes. So importantly, coming off um, milk, it's transitioning their gut microbe pattern to be more similar to that of an adult. So by the end of the first 1,000 days of life, the, the, um, the young toddler has a gut microbiota profile more similar and more stable um, to, to, similar to, to an adult. Okay. Breast milk, breast milk, of course, good, although interestingly, and people won't probably want to hear this, but interestingly, was there a role for um, breast pumps? Is there any significance in the use of breast pumps? Yeah, so breast pumps itself um, has been studied. So we know that with breast pumps, there actually is um, different, slightly different microbes um, from um, expressed milk by breast pump compared to um, feeding, at the, you know, feeding on tap directly from the breast. So that's because feeding from the breast itself is off, there's production of a number of other substances that, that, that's occurring. So in addition to the to, to the, the the microbes themselves, there's also other factors. For example, like like uh, growth factors. There's some fats. There's different proteins. There's also some um, some important immune protecting factors that are also being secreted in breast milk, and that's all, that's happening um, in real time. So with breastfeeding itself, it's very dynamic. It's happening in real time. And what's amazing about breastfeeding is that the uh, breast milk is adapting to the baby. So it's actually, um, it, it modifies in response to the baby's needs, and that's really quite incredible. Um, so that's why there are slight differences Right. In terms of the substances, yeah. So breast milk, uh, great richness and diversity of bacteria. What then when we come to introduce solid food, when and how, if you're coming at it with this lens of the microbiome? When, how and what? Yeah, so so we know that exclusive breastfeeding to six months of age is recommended, and that is the recommendation of the... World Health Organization, and that is—it's um, actually very sensible because we know that from um, a gut perspective that the, the, during the early weaning stages, the pancreas function, the small bowel absorption, um, and the ability of the bowel to ferment is, is quite underdeveloped during that first, um, during the first, certainly during the first four months. Um, and we know that whilst there are enzymes that are present in our saliva that can break down the food, it's not till about six months of age that the pancreas is secreting enough enzymes um, to help digest starches and proteins. So that's why six months is really recommended. We also know um, that iron and vitamin D are really important for the baby's um, diet. Certainly iron is very important for their brain function. Um, and although babies are born with a supply of iron from their mothers, 
that iron supply is depleted by around six months of age. So that's why six months is thought to be an ideal time um, for the baby to be exclusively breastfed to, and then introduction of solids is around that time. And ideally, if possible, because of the benefits of breast milk, it would be ideal if babies could also be concurrently breastfed to about 12 months uh, of age. While introducing things like cow's milk? Yeah, so... Certainly, certainly. I mean, and we know that the introduction of cow's milk, along with other allergens, does need to be done carefully because we know that um, there can be, um, in some babies, they can certainly have a, have a quite a profound reaction to cow's milk. Um, but I do think that when it comes to the introduction, the introduction of food allergens, as long as there is a very sensible process for monitoring the reactions to food allergens, I think that that, yeah. that is important. And so, um, and I mentioned this in my book about what parents can do to introduce food allergens in small quantities first um, before increasing um, the, the amount of exposure. So this is your point. If you're breastfeeding while starting to introduce, say, cow's milk or starting to introduce other foods, there's a protective effect from the breastfeeding. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. Yoghurt in the first year. What is the link between introducing yoghurt in the first year of life and eczema and the, um, trying to mitigate against the risk of, an ex- of eczema? Yeah, so we, we know that the, 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 the changes that are happening, that are, that are occurring in the first one year of life are really important. As, as I mentioned before, there's this increase in diversity in the baby's gut. Um, we know that what, what is occurring also in addition to the increase in, in microbial diversity is that the the baby's immune system is being trained appropriately to respond to threats. And so what I mean by that is that the immune system is learning very early on what foreign substances such as nasty germs are, you know, viewing them as threats, but it's also developing a tolerance to other substances such as the foods we eat. And this makes sense because if we were having an immune reaction to every single food we eat, that would be a very bad thing. Now, what scientists have found is that if we're not getting exposure to old friend microbes, which I mentioned before, natural environment, or if the baby's gut microbes become less diverse because of interventions like antibiotics, then what happens is that the infant's gut's ability to shape the immune system in early life is altered, and that means that they can generate an inappropriate immune response to a foreign substance such as a peanut, which they should otherwise be tolerating. We also know that it's the same mechanism for um, the development of, of eczema, so we know that, that, that eczema is uh, one of the very first allergies that develops. And if a child has uh, eczema, then they're much more uh, at risk of, of developing um, a food allergy. Okay. We've also, we haven't mentioned formula, infant formula, and this will be part, um, often um, part of uh, feeding of, of infants, um, or perhaps entirely of, of feeding of infants, um, even from quite a young age. So if you're um, using formula, or perhaps using some formula and some breast milk, what I notice is you actually have a schedule for gradually introducing some of these um, more um, allergen risk foods. For example, how would you introduce egg into gradually introduce egg into the into the diet of an infant who's been either exclusively on breast milk, breast milk or formula feed or, or both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, what I what I would encourage um, certainly is is breastfeeding uh, where where possible. So um, it, now now what I mean by that is that 
that it would be ideal if um, babies can be exclusively breastfed to six months. But even if they receive some milk, um, and certainly I know in the case of my wife, um, she could not um, exclusively breastfeed. But um, if if there is some breastfeeding till the, to, you know to, to the age of six months, that is obviously encouraged. When it comes to introducing um, allergenic foods. What is very important is introducing it in a very stepwise fashion. Um, so when it comes to introducing egg, for example, uh, one, of the, one of the recommendations I make in my book um, is that when we're introducing egg, you, using the tip of your index finger, use a very small dab of egg and put that on the inside of your baby's bottom lip. So just perhaps around the, the middle. Try to avoid getting that on their skin. Watch for, an, uh, watch for a reaction for a few minutes. If nothing happens, you can feed your baby a quarter of a teaspoon of that egg and keeping an eye on them for the next half an hour for any signs of an allergic reaction. There's no reaction after 30 minutes. You can give your baby a bit more and you can give half a teaspoon. And so if if that's all well, what you can do is you can introduce um, that half teaspoon of egg into your baby's diet once a day for the next three days, watching them carefully for any signs of reaction. And I recommend that this be done at a certain time during the day, same time during the day, so that we can look for uh, evidence of reaction. Um, and when we, once that particular allergenic food is tolerated by the infant, then it should be introduced into the baby's diet at least three times a week. So it's part of that is about building tolerance. And we know from some good data, particularly when it comes to peanuts, that um, children that were exposed to peanuts, certainly in that first 12 months of life, um, it was found to be protective uh, against the development of peanut allergy um, at the age of five. So um, getting exposure to those allergenic foods early on, um, certainly in my schedule, um, I have a schedule for introducing the nine most common food allergens uh, in nine weeks, um, and that's done between six months uh, and 12 months of life. Wonderful. Just very um, quick answers. I'm sorry if we could just be prompt with the answers, but I do want to just acknowledge the questions. Um, quoting here, there's a prominent speaker on infant feeding in New Zealand who's recommending babies aren't introduced to food containing wheat until they're 10 to 12 months old. What are your thoughts on this as it's counter to Ministry of Health advice? Yeah, so... Um, my my advice um, is that um, all the data is saying that that um, exposure uh, earlier on, certainly within within six six twelve months, is advisable for for all food allergies. There's no data to, that, that I'm aware of to show that, uh, that that any delay like that is is beneficial. A couple of questions along the same lines here, which is basically um, one is a cesarean birth and wondering if that was implicated in um, actually a cancer of the immune system, a Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 16. Um, but asking what can happen now to really maximise the gut biome. And actually I'll just add a second question, which is a six-year-old with several food allergies, uh, the parent has always suspected poor gut health. Will improving gut health now help ease the severity of her allergies or at least heal her eczema? Uh, could you answer each as to what can be done now in these circumstances? Yeah, OK. Um, so... Um when it comes to the very first point, and I believe that was in regards to um, 
sorry, the, this, 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 this young woman had actually had Hodgkin's lymphoma at 16. Yep. So mum yep. is asking whether there's a potential link to the caesarean birth and not a normal exposure to bacteria. Um, but regardless, what is the best she can do with her gut biome now? Yeah, so I don't believe that it's linked to caesarean sections. Um, I don't believe there's any data to, to, to show that that's linked to caesarean sections. We know that um, other... Allergies, yes, and asthma and obesity is, can be linked to, to certain sections, but I'm not aware of lymphoma. Um, as far as what you can do now, what we do know is that there are certain types of foods, um, and I talk about this in my book, but probiotics and prebiotics, um, which have been shown to be very helpful in terms of um, modifying our gut microbiota. So these, these particular types of foods, probiotics, which are um, live bacteria when ingested that confers health benefit has been shown to be very beneficial, um, certainly for, um, for, for, for babies and even for, for pregnant mothers. It's been helpful in, in, in mitigating against uh, the, the risk of allergy. And we know that the, the certain foods that actually fuel the, these good bacteria, prebiotics, are also very helpful. So prebiotics can be found in many of our foods, like um, certainly for infants, we know that bananas, uh, apples, malt um, oats have lots of prebiotics, but for adults, um, uh, foods like artichokes, onions and garlics are full of, 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 of prebiotics. Sure. So certainly that's important. And also balanced diet. I'll also yeah. mention a very important, a balanced diet is important. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Vincent Ho, the baby, the healthy baby gut guide.